Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. It's that time of the week again. It's FOMO Friday, where we we eliminate your fear of missing out by letting you know what's happening, especially if you're not watching the liberal media, right? And we're going to start off today by talking about an article that came out of the Hill where nearly 2 million fewer students have enrolled in public schools. This is something that's been happening more and more and more, especially now that COVID hit. And and the parents, obviously, we have seen what's going on in the public schools. People are waking up and people are taking their kids out of the public school system. And as this article says, almost 2 million students stopped attending public schools between uh, 2020 and 2021. That's uh, enrollment data uh, that shows that. In a recent poll from Education Next, district-operated schools lost 4% of their students during those two years with those children enrolling in other types of schooling, of course. In, in the spring of 2020, 81% of school children in the United States were enrolled in district schools, according to a, a parental response poll. Now, by November of that year, enrollment in school districts had plummeted to 72%, according to Education Next numbers. Education Next poll crafters acknowledged in a statement that that decline could stem from parents choosing to remove their, their children from district schools to charter schools or private schools. But the decline could also be linked to parents not knowing how to define their schools and their children's schools when learning was done, let's say, mostly remote and, and online, right? Last spring, school district, uh, uh, district school enrollment bounced back to 77% and enrollment was has hovered at the, the rate since then, according to publications uh, and a most recent poll. And that percentage drop means that almost 2 million students have left a traditional public school for either either a charter school or a private school or even homeschooling. Now, the poll finds uh, findings show that the three other schooling alternatives have been uh, have seen bumps in enrollment numbers, and in 2022, private school enrollment ticked up to 10 percent compared to the 8% in the spring of 2020. And the number of U.S. children attending a charter school went up 5% to 7% overall in that same time frame. More children appear to be, be taking their coursework at home, the poll found. Over the past two years, the portion of the country's students being homeschooled bumped up from 6 to 7%, which represents a doubling from the uh, 2016 numbers. Now, this is, should not be a surprise to anyone. One of the, the, the biggest takeaways I think that, that we can, we can uh, have here is that parents are not li- 
losing focus on on how bad the school system really really is. There were a number of people that thought, well, after COVID, we're you know these numbers uh, are are going to bounce back. They're, we're going to see uh, all, all the the kids come back to school, and parents are not going to really care anymore. That is not what we're seeing at all. They're not losing focus on the fact that the public education system is a dismal failure. We we know that in most school districts, it doesn't matter where you are, but in most school districts, the average um, amount that, that taxpayers are paying per student per year, it hovers around $16,000 uh, across the country. That's $16,000 a year per student. And what are the taxpayers and the parents getting for that? Well, we're getting a really high dropout rate. We're getting really low numbers when it comes to the the testing of of what the students are learning. But, you know, they do seem to to know what each other's pronouns are or, you know, I mean, there's just there's a host of things. They, they, they know what CRT is. We These type of things are not what they should be learning. What they should be learning is things that are going to help them as adults and they're going to help them in the real world. But that's not what the public school system seems to be doing now. And so what are the parents doing about it once they once they saw what was happening? Because they could see it right there on their kids' screens when everything was remote and everything was online. Suddenly they're like, wow, this is what my, my student's classroom looks like. This is what they're teaching. This is what the what the teachers are, are, are actually trying to to uh, offload onto my onto my children. Well, a lot of them are getting upset and a lot of them have not um uh, have not gone off of that. And they've said, you know what? My kids are more important than just a babysitter. And my kids are going to get a good education. And and they have not lost focus on that. And that's a really good thing, isn't it? Why are parents taking their kids out of public school system? They're doing it because the public school system is failing. And they're putting them into school systems and, and even their own school system, right? <laughs> Homeschooling, uh, where where even homeschool co-ops and um and centers, resource centers are are just expanding wildly. Uh, it's it, it's a really good thing to see, and hopefully this puts some more pressure on the public school system to do the right thing, and actually I don't know teach kids, right? All right, let's move on. Uh, Utah teacher questions whether posh white parents, that's what I said, posh white parents, will oppose her classroom built for non-white students. This goes back to what we were just talking about, right? Now, this is this comes from Fox News, and 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 it says um, Kelsey Coburg says a a fourth grade teacher in Utah took a social me- took to social media earlier this month, questioning how the parents and students in a majority white school would react to her classroom. What she said was, "quote built for." non-white students, unquote. So she's built her classroom for those students that have more pigment in their skin. Quote, for the first time in my life, this is the teacher, I'm going to be teaching at a majority white school. And I'm kind of interested to see how students and parents react to my classroom or if they even notice anything about it because it's built for non-white students, unquote. That's the quote from the teacher at William Penn Elementary School near Salt Lake City, Utah. 
Now, the teacher explained that this was her first year teaching in a majority white school and said there are no white kids represented in many of the element, elements of her classroom, including the coloring pages she offers to students. So everything about this, this classroom is set up to not show any kind of whiteness whatsoever within her classroom. The teacher went on to say that, that while some of her classroom library includes, quote, straight cis white men, unquote, who she says dominates literature, but it is overpowered, as she put it, by books depicting diverse peoples, including characters of color and different gender identities and sexual orientations. That's what she has desired and has implemented in her classroom. Quote, I feel like some parents might have something to say about that if my experience with posh white parents holds true for this year. We'll see, she concluded. The principal, of course, of William Penn Elementary issued a statement uh, late last uh, last Sunday night, and she said, saying it was her personal commitment to ensure every student feels safe and welcome, and it is inappropriate for any employee to make students feel unwelcome in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. So, if this... If, if if this classroom is built for non-white students and there are white students in there because this is a majority white district and school, then how are these people going to feel welcome in that kind of environment where there's racism against them? The principal also noted that uh, the teacher had deleted the social media post. Oh, well, that, that was nice. And apologized, actually, for her comments and that the district was investigating the situation to identify whether any district policies had been violated. <laughs> when schools reopened last year for in-person education, we wondered whether parents could continue to stay engaged in education issues. This is, again, what we were just talking about. Or whether this movement would just simply fizzle out. Uh, that's a quote uh, from Nicole Neely, who's president and founder of Parents Defending Education, which reported the incident and, and uh, which, of course, was uh, covered by Fox News. We quickly learned that parents were even more worried than before because they no longer had a window into their children's education. The videos like this prove that in many cases, those fears are well-founded. A spokesperson for the Granite School District told Fox News that it would be a violation of our district policies to teach anything other than the approved curriculum and standards or to discriminate against any student. Quote, as soon as our investigation is complete, uh, we are and uh, uh, we do anticipate taking appropriate corrective action, the spokesperson said. Uh, we know that it is our role as educators to support parents and the families we serve. And we value our parents and their engagement in our schools and classrooms. Sure, they, they value that. More than 85% of the 560 students attending William Penn Elementary are white, according to the school's website. And, and I would say, you know, the first question here 
that really comes to mind is how do liberals not see that this is just simply blatant discrimination? I mean, how do they not see that? How do they not see this? This is like the definition of discrimination, that you are setting your classroom up for everyone but a certain race. Uh, But then I remember, they know it's blatant discrimination. That is what they are trying to be, discriminatory. They're trying to be racist because, like Ibram X. Kendi says, that you have to be racist to fight racism. You have to be racist about the past. You have to be racist about the present. And you have to be blatantly racist for the future in order to fight racism. That's what they're trying to do. That is the point here. And, and, and if I was in charge of this school district, racists would not have a job here. If I, if, if I were the one that, were, that was in charge of that, this would not be swept under the rug whatsoever. I can remember being on a school board myself and being a chairman there. And I tried not to get involved too much with, with uh, certain things that I would see uh, w- when it came to my own kids. I didn't want them to to feel like, you know, that, that because I, one of my children was in their classroom that they, you know, they, they were under, under the microscope. But there was at least one time when I had to kind of put that on, on the back burner because there was a, a teacher that one of my kids uh, ended up being in the classroom of. And I, if I remember right, I think it was like a third grade classroom, something like that. And this, this student or this teacher was so bad. And first of all, he didn't wear any, any deodorant of any kind. So, so his classroom just reeked all the time. And, and he was very much a a leftist liberal uh, type of guy. And he would take the kids out and hug the trees. That's literally what he would do. They literally went outside to hug the trees. Um, I did have to bring that to the attention of the superintendent and say, you know, this guy isn't going to be around next year, is he? And he was on one of those uh, probationary uh, areas where you could just simply not renew his contract. And uh, and he said, oh, no, they've received a number of complaints. And no, he would not. And he wasn't. Uh, and, and, and I would say the same thing here. You see something this blatantly wrong. It has to be corrected. Why? For the sake of the kids, if nothing else. All right, moving on. White people banned from off-campus UC Berkeley student housing common areas. And this, again, from Fox News says, a private housing co-op just off the University of California Berkeley campus has banned white visitors in common areas or without consent from other tenants. The, The person of color theme house, is what they call it, is a housing co-op located near UC Berkeley that aims to provide housing to low-income, first-generation, immigrant, and marginalized students of color, according to their website. It is a private venture and not affiliated with the university, though I'm sure the university supports it. In a leaked photo of house rules for the co-op, tenants are instructed, get this, not to bring white guests to the house without permission and to keep white guests from the common areas. Quote, in... POC, it says many POC members moved here to be able to avoid white violence and presence 
white presence. They're trying to avoid white presence. So respect their decision of avoidance if you bring white guests, the leaked House Rules list states. White people are not entirely banned from the House premises, but those wishing to bring white guests into the building must alert other tenants. Always announce guests in the guest chat if they will be in common spaces with you and if they are white, one rule states. White people are entirely banned from entering shared spaces within the home to allow people of color to avoid white presence, they say. Quote, guests are allowed in common areas, but please be mindful. If there are house members in the room beforehand, white guests are not allowed in the common spaces. Avoid bringing parents slash family members that express bigotry. Queer, black, and indigenous members should not have to avoid common spaces because of homophobic or racist parents or family members, unquote. I mean, person of color theme house exists to create a safe and welcoming space for its house members and build solidarity with communities of color in the Berkeley area and beyond. Again, this is from the house's website. Now, this is supposed to be this welcoming type of house, right? Except if you're white, then it's not welcoming. No, we we can't we can't be welcoming to the whites that are in our community. We can't be. We we have to look and 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 again, how how white do I have to be before I can't enter a certain area? Do I have to take a DNA test? Do I have to see how much whiteness is just festering inside of me? I mean, what, 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 at what point can I say, oh, wow, I'm so glad that I'm not white now. I'm so glad that I can now be a part of what everybody else is doing and be welcomed into the house. If you want to see some of this and how ridiculous it is, there's actually a video showing a tour of this POC house. And I don't know if maybe it should be called POS house. I, I don't know. I, I think it's POC. Anyway, there's, there's, there's a video and the, the, the person guiding the tour of this, of this video, she's white. <laughs> she's, she's a white lady and she's trying to, to take you through the commons area and then into, uh, they go into the kitchen and there's actually a white person in the kitchen. Uh, there are signs there that say, be nice or leave. I mean, leave is like capitalized, you know? Uh, don't give up the ship. <laughs> Not exactly we're sure that, what that means, but there's also POC study room uh, sign in there as well. Just things like this. It just, it, it, it's nauseating, to be honest with you. And and they they live there to avoid white violence and presence. If, if I set up a home and I said, you know what, I'm setting this house up to make it so white people can band together as a community and not have to, not have to be around black people and their presence. If I, if I set something up like that, do you think that would go over very well? 
Of course it wasn't. It, it, it would not go over well at all. It would be considered racist. Why? Because it is. And in this house is too. All right, moving on. Climate activist Steven Spielberg's private jet has burned $116,000 worth of jet fuel in just two months. Fox News uh, said that a private jet belonging to Steven Spielberg has burned more than $116,000 worth of jet fuel since June, despite the famous Hollywood director's past warnings about global warming according to Flight Tracker Database. Now, Spielberg's plane, a Gulfstream G650, has burned at least $116,159 worth of jet fuel over the course of 16 trips. Yes, 16 trips spanning nearly 17,000 miles since June 23rd, according to the flight tracking data from ADSB. Uh, exchange and, and compiled by the database Celebrity Jets. The figures are likely an underestimate since the database did not calculate fuel and distance uh, metrics of at least three trips made by Spielberg's jet. So you could include three more trips in there as well and that weren't included in this. However, Spielberg has previously stated that global warming terrified him and ripped uh, and, and ripped people who go blitheringly uh, through life, he said, without caring about their impact on the environment. Well, it kind of sounds like maybe he's one of them, don't you think? He said, quote, I'm terrified of global warming. And he said this actually during a 2018 interview uh, for his film, uh, Ready Player One. Global warming is a scientific reality. He said, it's not a political trick. It's a true piece of real, measurable, quantifiable science. Quote, people have to come around to believing that this is, we are going to have to have a kind of confrontation with destiny unless we do something about it today, Spielberg said. He added that... Everybody has to be held responsible for their role in climate change. And you know when you're not mindful of something that you could pose a danger to your children and grandchildren? Spielberg uh, asked, then you just go blatantly through life with aerosol cans and doing all sorts of things that are depleting the ozone. Um, among uh, uh, this is, 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 of course, the more than a dozen trips Spielberg uh, jet traveled 3,589 uh, miles from West Hampton to New York to Amsterdam, Netherlands, all on June 29th, burning 20, over $21,000 worth of fuel and emitting 32 tons of of carbon dioxide. This is according to Celebrity Jets. The plane then traveled to Rotterdam, Netherlands, before returning to West Hampton on July 1st, burning another 24, over actually over $24,000 worth of fuel and emitting another 38 tons of carbon. The jet also made lengthy trips to West Hampton to Van Nuys, California on July 11th from West Hampton to Knock, Ireland, 
uh, on July 21st and from uh, Teterboro, uh, New Jersey, to Van Nuys on August 4th. The more the most recent trip recorded was a uh, short flight on Thursday evening from uh, Martha's Vineyard to Massachusetts to uh, Terraboro. Now, overall, Spielberg's jet has emitted at least 179 tons of carbon dioxide over the last two months. By comparison, the average American has an annual carbon footprint of 16 tons. <laughs> and the average global footprint is four tons per person. While the majority of, of jets, jet trips and fuel usage uh, were recorded, the database did not calculate the data for a few flights, in, including two on Thursday and, and you know, from like Chicago to, uh, to Martha's Vineyard and things like that. But Spielberg is not the only Hollywood celebrity to, you know, who has warned about global warming. Uh, I mean, we saw uh, DiCaprio, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and, and and how he went on and on about this type of thing. Um, just not a good look, right? Be- why? Because these are all hypocrites. Yes, that's what I said. These are all hypocrites. And we get the word hypocrite from the Greek word for actor. <laughs> how ironic is that? Because these actors... These are hypocrites. They, 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 they say and they act a certain way that really it, it, they, they, they mean something else. So they, they, they are a certain way, but they act and they say another thing. So in this case, oh, I'm, I, I'm terrified of global warming. And yet you're the one that's doing that's causing all this global warming gases, if you believe in that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's, I, I love the, 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 the piece here where he included, that it's real, measurable, and quantifiable science. It's not. It's a theory, and it's not even a good one. But we'll go on, right? All right. Let's let's uh, let's look at this one here, and and I I like to end on a, on a good note. And here's one uh, from the Daily Wire and Hank Breen, and he says that a dispute has arisen among scientists as to whether images from the James Webb Space Telescope have disproven the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang, first proposed in 1927, um, it, 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 uh, it, it talked about the universe and how incredibly hot it was and a dense single point that exploded and triggered a, a constant uh, expansion of the known universe. That led to uh, the, 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 the CDM model uh, of the universe uh, considered the standard model for cosmetology, uh, co- cosmology, uh, which states that the universe is full of matter, dark matter, and dark energy. Three basic facts support the Big Bang theory. More distant galaxies are reputed to have a higher red shift than, than closer ones, meaning that there is an increase in wavelength of light emanating from them. So so their light is is shifter toward the the red areas of the spectrum and and the 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 cosmic background radiation from the effect of the big bang fills the universe and the the evidence of of an abundance of elements in that uh early uh, early universe so we if if the big bang thing really happened then you would see certain things you would see the, the the universe be expanding and and but 
But social media became a buzz recently with rumors that the Big Bang Theory has been debunked after a recent article by Eric Lerner, uh, the author of the 1991 book, The Big Bang Never Happened. Now, Lerner claimed that the hypothesis that the uh, JWST's uh, images are blatantly and repeatedly contradicting is the Big Bang hypothesis, that the universe began 14 billion years ago in an incredibly hot, dense state and has been expanding ever since. But we're starting to see uh, some of these uh, images that are actually saying, you know what, that's not the case. If 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 things were expanding, we'd see certain, you know, the the, the light waves and and how they react, and and we're not seeing that. So the 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 telescope that we uh, have set up and we're seeing some really cool images from is actually now starting to debunk some of this bad science. Um, this is the, but, but what we're seeing is all of these now, you know, these people who make a ton of money on the big bang theory and these quote scientists, unquote, that, um, that are, that are now saying, wow, well, you know, th- this is not good. And, and, and so all they say is, wow, this is just, this is not the way it happens. This is, this isn't, this doesn't prove anything. Well, isn't that how most liberals debate? I mean, you present facts, right? And they they call you names and they say, no, it's not. <laughs> and yet they don't present any facts themselves. And that's what's happening here. The Big Bang Theory is is disprovable in, in that nothing comes to life from a Big Bang. There's nothing in, in, in existence. What, what, what comes to, what, what happens? When was the last time that you set off a firecracker, let's say, and all of a sudden a little bunny rabbit started jumping away? I mean, that's not, that's not the way things happen. Things deteriorate through the explosion. They do not, life is not created through it. I mean, just, just the theory itself is just ridiculous. But now that we see facts that are disproving it, now all they can say is, no, it's not right. <laughs> I don't know. You, you may disagree with me. I would love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.